would please this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I know Reverend Joel sends his thanks to uh, this body of believers for supporting and being blessed by his ministry. Uh, we were able collectively to give him a big offering, just like we asked God to help us do. And uh, praise God, uh, appreciated uh, his ministry. Amen. We're in a flow, aren't we? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's just keep it going. Amen. Are you hungry? You're hungry. You're, we're united, expectant. God have your way. Amen. Praise God. Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that's where I'd like you to be. We'll pray and then we'll launch out. Father, we come before you this morning so grateful to uh, be able to assemble here together free and unafraid. God, we welcome you into this place today. <clears throat> We make a demand on the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit within each one of us that collectively together we make up a local body of believers. And God, we know that uh, we all have a role in this part of what you're doing in the service right now. I have my part. And for my part, as I've already asked you, Father, I'm asking you again, give me utterance. Uh, let your mind and heart, your words flow freely from me unhindered by my mind or opinion, anything like that. Enable me, Father God, to minister effectively your word. God, we thank you that those that are, uh, the rest of us, that they are participators in the sense that they are taking hold and responding to. They are receiving that which you have to impart and say. And that, God, you anoint them and grace them for that task. Together, flowing together, each doing our part, God, will get to the end and we'll all be blessed. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. I, I said to myself and to a few others, my wife, after Reverend Joel ministered, what a segue. What a segue uh, to continue on in our series on the Holy Spirit and His gifts. And, uh, you know, some of uh, the ways that the Holy Spirit has demonstrated Himself and manifested Himself in our midst lately has just marked, especially our children, Marked our young people. They'll never forget some of those times in God. Of course, I won't either. And they're just weighty and precious things. In our mentoring class, we, uh, we added up and kind of analyzed things during the course of those three services. We had seven out of the nine gifts of the Spirit made manifest in those meetings. Hallelujah. And nothing to brag about, but, you know, we're, God wants to manifest Himself. And He is manifesting Himself. But we want to be a congregation who is, has a basis of knowledge and understanding from the Bible, amen, of uh, the ways that the Holy Spirit moves and manifests Himself so that we'll be, we'll be readily open because we have knowledge uh, that we're right in being quick to yield and quick to embrace the move and the manifestation of the Spirit. You know, it's, it's knowledge that, that gets us to a place where we can, we can really embrace uh, and yield to and begin to take part in a rejoicing flow or an out, a praise flow or different ways that the Spirit of God would be moving if you know it's right in, in God. But if you don't know, amen, and been told and, and have believed for however long that these things have just passed away and God's retired, then you would think it's strange. You know, some of the things that, <laughs> that you might see or observe. And so, thank God, we're not going to perish in these things for lack of knowledge. Amen? 
And so let's read some passages of Scripture here and we'll dive into the teaching today. It says, now concerning, verse 1, chapter 12, verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, or as I've taught you, the gifts is in italics, which means it could be uh, removed because it was added by the translators. It says, now concerning spiritual or spiritual things, or some have said, and I agree, things that pertain to the Spirit, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. So see, right there. He begins a three-chapter, what we would call, he didn't write in chapters, but a three-chapter teaching and discourse on the uh, legitimacy, the existence of, and the proper use of demonstrations and manifestations of the Holy Ghost in corporate settings. Amen? And we don't want to be ignorant about these things, do we? I wrote in my Bible, the meaning of this word ignorant doesn't mean, if you're ignorant, it doesn't mean you're bad, it just means you don't know. And you can't know what you're not taught. Right? And for a lot of us, for many years, it wasn't our fault. We weren't the teacher. <laughs> we were just taking what was made available, right? And uh, so, praise God, we don't want to be uninformed, and we don't want to be misinformed. Hallelujah, about these things. Skip down to verse number 4, and it says, Now there are diversities. Now, notice it says, when are, the, when are there diversities of gifts? Now. You know, every time you read that word now, it updates itself. Isn't that right? So the verse, chapter 12, verse 1, what's the first word? Now. Guess what time these things are for? Now. Not the next service. Therefore, now. Therefore, this generation. Therefore, this season. If they're not for now, he shouldn't have used the word now. Amen. I mean, because this is the Holy Writ, right? This is the Bible He gave us for the entire you know, period of the church's existence on earth. So it says, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are, present tense, differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are, again, present tense, diversities of operations, but it is the same God which works all in all. Look at verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man, meaning every member of the body of Christ, male and female, to profit with all. This is why we want to teach on these things. This is why we want these things in operation. Because everyone will profit. Everyone will gain when the gifts of the Spirit are in manifestation. Hallelujah. You know, if you were here Sunday night, and in that glory, in that, if you didn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't wrong if you left at dismissal, but we tried to dismiss and the service just went on. And, uh, but you get, you get marked in that. And, but, you know, in the aftermath of all that, I, I've been around mingling with people for a week. It's been a week now. And I've been able to hear and see some of the effects, the profit, the gain. Uh, you know, people will say, what good's it do? You know, or people will say, I don't think it takes all that. All that running around, all that falling on the floor, all that laughing, whatever, whatever. We kind of experienced it all, didn't we? But, you know, I, I saw this on Thursday. You know, my assistant, Brett, was on vacation last week, so I didn't have him available. And, I mean, my kids, my kids have all been affected by what they experienced. They're, they're different. 
And my younger ones, Rex and Ryan, you know, they, they like to come to church with me a lot of times during the week. They're homeschooled. They like to do their school up here. And they like the free internet and so forth and so on. And, uh, but they, I noticed it was raining that day. And they, Ryan was like, well, we, Dad, Rex, we got to get our muck boots because Brett won't be there. And we got to get the trash to the road. And I'm like, did Brett put you up to that? <laughs> I wouldn't have been mad if he did. That would be good leadership. But no. And they got here and they pulled all the trash. Nobody asked them to. And they, in the rain and the muck and all of that, they hauled all the trash to the road. And then they were setting up, they set up the room for mentoring. They set up the lobby for mentoring. Like, what's gotten into you guys? Well, God got into them in a greater way. Yeah, just, just people are different. The lingering effects. I've just heard testimony after testimony about how, you know, my attitude at work's been lighter and more joyful, and more peaceful. It lingered all throughout the week. Praise God. Anyway, see, what my point is, is that when we let God have His way, there'll be profit. Now, we might have to deal with our mind, right? We might have to deal with our flesh when we observe things that are new or different. But I tell you what, when we know it's God, I don't care how strange something looks to me, if I know it's God. If I know it's God, I'll receive it. If I know it's God, I'm going to enter into it. Now, if I'm not sure it's God, I'm going to stay on the outside looking in until I know it's God. Amen. Well, part of what God has us on right now is to educate us about these different ways the Holy Spirit manifests. Amen. You know, church is not all just about self-help messages. But there's other things. Very real. This is not a side issue for us in the church. Amen. But anyway, there's going to be profit that comes. And then in verse number 8, he begins to list nine different ways or gifts, we call them, of the Holy Ghost. And let's read those. It says, For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge. Now, we'll get into this in detail, but notice it is not called the gift of wisdom. Is that right? Don't ever leave here and, and say, yeah, pastor taught us today about the gift of knowledge. Because there is no such animal. Words matter in the Bible. It's the word of wisdom. It is the word of knowledge. Is that right? By the same Spirit. To another faith. And in the Amplified, I like how it renders it special faith. Special faith. By the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healings. By the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another. See, a lot of people will say, yeah, I got the gift of discernment. There is no such animal. You can't find that in the Bible. People think they're quoting this, but they don't read it right. It's called the discerning of spirits. Anyway, we'll get to these things. Amen. To another diverse or different kinds of tongues... To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these works, or worketh, that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing. Now that, think about this word, dividing means dealing. Dealing out, like if you play cards. You know, we like to play hearts at home. Amen. You're dealing out the cards. The Holy Ghost is the one dealing out these various gifts or manifestations. You don't go out to a sign-up sheet like I'm bringing chicken to the... No, I'm, I'm signing up for the working of miracles. 
We'd all sign up for that one, wouldn't we? Praise God. No, it's up to the Holy Ghost to distribute, to deal out, to divide these gifts. But notice, everyone takes part. Not just preachers. Hello? Not just preachers. You are the target. You are to be the recipient of at least two, because it says severally. Well, I don't know how you want to define severally, but it's got to be more than one. So the minimum you could expect the Holy Spirit to want to manifest through you among these gifts of nine is at least two. And yet you're not disqualified in your life from any of the nine manifesting if they needed, if they were needed, if He willed it in your life. All nine of them over the course of one's lifetime could be manifest. You wouldn't want to disqualify yourself. Amen. Hallelujah. But all these works, the one and the self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as you will, no, as I will. So we've come to the place, I believe, in my heart in these teachings where it's time to dive in to these gifts individually and teach you on them. Amen? So it's going to be a little bit of a teaching flow, at least for the next few minutes, right? So you're becoming the student and I'm the teacher, right? Church is what? School. Church is school. Will there be a test? Oh, absolutely. When you leave this place. Right? Life and the devil will make sure you get tested on everything you're taught in school. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. Well, we notice here that there are nine listed manifestations of the Holy Ghost. Right? They're not the only way that the Holy Ghost demonstrates or manifests Himself. But these are nine specific gifts or manifestations of the Spirit. And traditionally... Uh, teachers, me included, will divide these gifts into three different categories. And you'll readily see that they, they should be. It's, they could be rightly divided into three categories. So you've got nine gifts, three categories, three gifts in each category. Right? Now, in these categories, you're going to find uh, in just a moment that there are three gifts that say something. Three of these gifts are God saying something. Three of these gifts are God revealing something. And three of these gifts are God performing or doing something. Hallelujah. So I like this. When God is in manifestation, He's constantly saying something, revealing something, and doing something. And it wouldn't, be, wouldn't it be sad to go to a church where God is never saying anything, revealing anything, or doing anything supernatural. This is why we want these gifts in manifestation. I don't know about you. I want to hear God. I know this is not the only way God speaks. Amen. But these gifts, those three gifts that say something, are divine avenues through which God communicates to His people individually, in their families, and to corporate bodies. And sometimes to the whole body of Christ if people are listening. Amen. Then there are things that God wants to reveal, mysteries, secret things, things that have remained hidden to us. Maybe they've been in the Word all the time, but we haven't seen them. Right, right. Amen? Amen? Now see, Brother Bill, he's probably seen some stuff that I haven't seen. He's been in the body of Christ longer than me. Mm-hmm. But see, the Holy Spirit will reveal to me. Yeah. Right. And there's, go. Oh, come on, you think about it, the profit that could be gained for God revealing what He knows. Amen. 
about our various situations and things that we encounter in life. And then, of course, there are what we call the power gifts or gifts uh, of miracles and healings where God's doing something. He's performing something. I want to go to a church like that. <laughs> that to me, that makes church exciting. God's saying something. He's revealing things. He's performing things as he wills in our midst. Well, these categories of saying, revealing, and doing have names. I'll give them to you. You could go back and write them down or write them down now or get the tape or whatever. Tape. Who knows what tape? What's a tape? <laughs> CD, MP3, whatever. So traditionally, the gifts that say something are called the inspirational gifts. Uh, I usually call them the vocal gifts or the utterance gifts, right? Because that describes them. God is vocalizing something. It's an utterance gift, praise God, where God is using us as a human vessel to speak what He wants said. Amen, there are three of those. Then there are three gifts that reveal, and they are called what? The revelation gifts. We call them the revelation gifts, obviously because they are gifts that reveal things, and we'll get to those. And then there are, of course, as I said, power gifts. Now, they're all manifestations of power, right? But these make sense. Gifts of healings, the gift of special faith. Uh, the working of miracles are the three gifts of power. Amen? All right. So uh, if you want to write those down, I'll give you the gifts in their categories. Uh, the revelation gifts are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. Those are the three gifts of revelation. The three gifts of power, as I just said, are the working of miracles. It's not the gift of miracles. It's called the working of miracles. If you ever come to my school, my ministry training school, they'll tell you I harp on this, right? I'm redundant. I harp, 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 nag, nag, nag about it. You got to get the names right. Now, why? Because it'll help guard you from deception and error. Amen. Praise God. So the power gifts are the working of miracles, the gift of special faith, and the gifts of healings. But we're going to start in the utterance gifts. That's where we're going to dive into today. And we're going to talk about the gift of prophecy. So the three utterance gifts are, of course, the simple gift of prophecy or prophecy, then diverse kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Now, really, there's only two gifts because it takes diverse kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues to get out what God wants to say. Out comes the tongue, then comes the interpretation. So you could call these a paired gift or a tandem gift. Amen? This, this diverse kinds of tongues is not to be confused with the everyday prayer language of the believer in tongues. Amen. People get confused. They'll say, okay, 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 I accept tongues. I believe in tongues, but only if there's an interpretation. See, you're confusing the gift of the Spirit called diverse kinds of tongues that is to be interpreted. That's as the Spirit wills. And the prayer language a believer gets when he is filled or she is filled with the Holy Ghost. Yes. I can turn that on and turn that off anytime I want. That's right. That's Paul said, I pray that you would all speak with tongues. Hallelujah. Paul said, I will pray with my understanding. I will pray with my spirit. Notice he said, I will, meaning I can do it anytime I want. Some people erroneously believe that you can only speak in tongues as the Holy Ghost moves you. No. Once you're filled with the Holy Ghost, there's a river of utterance flows out of your belly. Come on, how many of you know we don't have to wonder? There's, there's water in the Ohio flowing right now. It's not the same water, but there's water. 
always. Well, there's an, there's an ever-flowing river or stream, praise God. Out of His belly, Jesus said. Out of their belly will flow what? Rivers. Well, a river doesn't, you know, a river that's really a river isn't dry half the year. It's got water in it. Hallelujah. So there's that gift, diverse kinds of tongues, and it is to be interpreted. Amen. And we'll get to that. But today we want to talk about the third. Really, it's the most important or the highest of the utterance gifts called the gift of prophecy. Amen. Or I will call it from now on the simple gift of prophecy. Now, in an effort to be clear and concise and not to confuse, you need to understand that there are terms that we use in broad terms. We use a word in, and we use it broadly. And then we could use the same term in a very precise manner, right? Uh, so, for instance, take the word prophecy. Well, a lot of times we just use prophecy in very general terms. But, you know, uh, for instance, uh, if you were here Sunday night, the Lord moved on me to march up those steps. And I waited on that and was, anyway, I finally yielded to it and marched up those steps. When I got to the fourth step, the Lord said, now you've come up to another place. Well, did I prophesy to myself? Well, generally speaking, I did, but that was a supernatural insight into the mind of God about a present thing. Things about the future came out. Well, that would not be prophecy anymore. That would, and we'll have to, you'll have to hang with me. That'll be the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, because it's got revelation in it. <laughs> Hallelujah. So anytime someone stands up and says, thus saith the Lord, maybe tell something about the future. The mind, we call that prophecy in general. But the specific use of this gift of prophecy, we're gonna, I'm going to teach you about this morning. Uh, we want to think about it in its precise most biblical sense. I hope I didn't confuse you. Just trust me, it'll be more clear as we go along. Amen. Amen. Because it's important for us to get this down. All right, look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. And, uh, well, no, 14. Chapter 14, verse number 1. Notice what it says. It says, follow after charity or love and desire spiritual gifts. But rather that you may what? Prophesy. Some translations say covet that you may prophesy. Uh, look at the last verse in this chapter. Actually, it's the second to last. The 39th verse of 1 Corinthians 14 says something else about prophecy. Hallelujah. Notice what it says. It says, wherefore, brethren, covet to what? Covet to prophesy. And forbid not to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently uh, and in order. Look at verse 31 in this chapter. For you may all, how many? For you may all prophesy one by one that all may learn and that all may be comforted. Now in the list, Paul said unto one is given this gift and to another is given this gift. But now he gives specific instructions saying that the simple gift of prophecy is for all. And it is to be desired of all of us. Who's this letter written to? Preachers? No. No. To the church at Corinth. So it would apply today to the church at World Harvest in Paducah. It says all of you should desire to prophesy. So how are you doing in that area? 
When was the last time you desired to prophesy? Well, you probably didn't know that you should. (laughs) Well, I've just read to you a verse from the Bible that says you should. Two, in fact. Desire that you might prophesy. Covet to prophesy. Verse 31 says, this is for all. Every member of the body of Christ. Now, if prophecy is what most lay people think it is, oh, we'd have pandemonium. We'd have a church full of prophets. Amen? But you're, you're right. You're going to be taught today. Hallelujah. So this gift is for all of us. All of us. Amen. It is something that the Spirit of God wills for each and every one of us. Skip back in the chapter to the third verse. Here the third verse gives definition, specific definition of what this gift is. What it is, what its purpose is. Are you ready? Now let me say, I know you're doing good listening. Every one of these gifts of nine are supernatural gifts. Right? Many preachers have stood up and attempted to define the gifts of the Spirit. Most of the ones that I will come across and listen to, they are butchers. They butcher the definitions of the gifts of the Spirit because they've been taught in their seminaries and Bible schools that all of these supernatural things passed away with the apostles. Number one, we still got apostles. Not on that same level, but we do have apostles. Right? These gifts have not passed away, and they're all supernatural. So they want to say the gifts are there, but they're all natural. Anyone that gives you a natural definition to one of these gifts is wrong. And I'll prove it to you. You don't have to take my word for it. But they're wrong, and they ought to be rejected. The gift of knowledge is not doing well in school. Right? It's not the ability to do well on the ACT. The guy who's winning millions of dollars, the kid that's on, that winning million dollars on Jeopardy right now, does not have the gift of knowledge. Right? People get weird with they, they say They say discernment is someone who's got a, a good antenna. They're, God makes them a good judge of character. That's not what this gift is. And a lot of people turn the gift of discerning of spirits into the gift of suspicion. And quit, people quickly, they, they, wanna, they either want to unplug all the supernatural power of it or they get weird with it. Come on, our goal is to keep the power in but not get weird. <laughs> Amen. All right, let's look at this definition. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. But he that prophesies speaks unto men to what end? Three things. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. I'm going to read this again. He that prophesies, she that prophesies, speaks unto men, unto people, what? Edification, exhortation, and comfort. A lot of people, they pro- I hear them prophesying stuff. It's not comforting. It's not encouraging. You know, people break in on pastors in services, stand up and say, oh, y'all are going to hell if you don't do it my way. Well, that's not prophecy. Are you with me? Amen. I'm going to try to stay in the shallow water because we, we'll get into the deep end, but we don't want to get in the deep end before you can navigate to shallow. <laughs> the simple gift of prophecy is 
inspired utterance. If you're looking for a written definition, this is it. It is inspired utterance in a known language. Inspired utterance or words in a known language for the express purpose of edification, exhortation, and comfort, period, end. Don't add anything to it. That's it. Y'all say amen, oh me, hallelujah, something. Okay. Praise God. And so that's what this gift is. Now, I want you to see if you're going to be right about the use. Of, and this, this flow is for all of us. We should all covet and earnestly desire to speak as the Holy Spirit wills inspired utterances in English that edify, encourage, that's what exhort means, and comfort myself or others. And we need a whole lot of this going on. We need a whole lot of it going on. Evidently, he knew we needed a lot of building up, a lot of comforting, a lot of encouragement. Do you see, this is the goal of true prophecy. To build people up, to encourage them in their walk with God, and to comfort them in times of difficulty or grief. And all of you should prophesy. I prophesy to myself. Now, I speak to myself encouraging words, but sometimes God will get on my words. It's inspired utterance. It's not coming out of my head. It's coming out of my heart. It's coming out of my spirit. And yeah, it's in line with the Bible, but it, it always builds me up. It always encourages me. It always edifies me. I get around some people who are so-called prophesiers, and they're just doom and gloomers all the time. Now, we'll get to the role of correction and confrontation. But that is not the purpose of the simple gift of prophecy. Because you don't see correction in here. Don't add anything to that. This is the only place that I know of that gives definition to this gift. It is inspired utterance in a known language. Which if you speak English or whatever, if you, whatever that would be. Amen. So the Holy Ghost is inspiring you to speak words that edify. That, that means where edification means build up. Build up, build up. Hallelujah. Exhort means to encourage. To encourage. Uh, I like one Greek definition of the word encourage means to call or draw near. Meaning back to God, back to the love of God, back to the word. Amen. And comfort. Now notice, in true prophecy, Brother Paul, it's all positive. It's all positive. Y'all with me? Here is something. Now, I, I learned something from Brother Hagin. I learned a lot of things from Brother Hagin. But one of the things he said, he says, I go as much by what God doesn't say as by what he does say. Amen. What God does not say is just as significant and meaningful Amen. as what he did say. Amen. Notice what is absent. Another thing that's absent in this definition is revelation. In the true, simple gift of prophecy, when it's in operation, there's no revelation in it. Meaning, there's no future telling. Now, you, if you want it and you say, no, 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 and then you want to take me back to the Old Testament, listen, you've got to understand, prophecy under the Old Testament is vastly different than prophecy under the New. Amen. So you can't learn everything you need to learn about prophecy by studying Old Testament Scriptures. You understand that? Hallelujah. There is no revelation... Amen. Right? So the whole flow of, uh, 
Uh, Miss Brianna, I perceive that you've got uh, five twenties in your pocket and the Lord says, give me three of them. <laughs> Number one, prophecy that prophesies money out of your pocket into my pocket ought to be rejected. That ought to be obvious to people. But notice, let's say even if that was God, there's revelation in that. There's supernatural knowledge that I couldn't know and action to be given with it. That's not the simple gift of prophecy. Now you could have some unknown facts or whatever, but see, now you're going to kick into a different gift called the word of knowledge. And these things will flow together. But if you're going to, well, we're talking about what's available to everyone. What we should all desire is this inspired utterance that builds up, encourages, and comforts. Amen. Not everyone else will be anointed to speak words of prophecy that have additional revelation in it. That is a graduated gift. Y'all with me so far? Praise God. Amen. So, um, I gave you the definition. All right, let's, let's, here's some things to, to understand that are critical about it. Again, there is no prediction or future telling in the simple gift of prophecy. If there's prediction or future telling in it, it ceases to become the simple gift of prophecy. It becomes the word of knowledge and or the word of wisdom. Which could happen. But that's not something everyone will be used in. And you should be very wary of people you submit yourself to who want to bring you revelation. Most people, I remember the, one of the last times, I, 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 guess I, I didn't have the gumption in the midst of all this pastor's people to say, no, I'd rather you didn't. But you know, when you're a pastor and then you go to a church, everybody wants to prophesy to you. You know about your great ministry and your great calling. And uh, you know, I think the associate pastor that day, he pastored about my whole family, didn't he? He, pastor, he prophesied to you. And it wasn't bad. But I just don't give it the same kind of weight. Right? Because my life isn't submitted to them. Let, let me just give you some nuggets that will keep you safe in this. Amen? So again... Uh, what's going to be going along is you could just be moved upon out there in the cafe and all of a sudden something bubble up in your heart. In fact, that's one of the meanings of the Greek word prophesy means a bubbling forth. It means a flowing forth. And all of a sudden you may be having coffee with a brother or sister and there comes a bubbling forth of something that's inspired of God and you speak it out and you don't have to get all religious about it. Thus saith. You don't have to do that. Amen. But just out of your heart, the Holy Ghost gets on your words and out comes something edifying that builds that person up, that encourages that person, that comforts that person. And it was more than you being sweet. It was God. That's prophecy. And we should all practice that and yield to it and become skillful with it. And as we do, oh my goodness, our church will be, think about how we'll all be edified and comforted. And, and I've given you permission to yield to that flow. But the parking lot profit is another deal. You understand that? And this is where people get in trouble. This is where I'd like to spend a minute or two before we have to go. Praise God. Prophecy, this gift, is often confused with the prophetic office. With the prophet's office. And lives have been ruined. Ministries and lives have been shipwrecked because of the excess and looseness in this area. Amen. Listen, there are five that I know of, five 
full-time offices of ministry. They are ministers in, the, in, the, in that full sense. There is the office of the apostle, the office of the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Now we're all ministers in the sense that we're servants. We all have a ministry. But listen, just because you enter into this flow of inspired utterance and God uses you frequently to speak inspired words in a known language that edify, exhort, and comfort wouldn't make you prophetic. It wouldn't make you a prophet. It would make you a Christian. Right? And thank God, our Christian lives should be supernatural. But you don't have to put some false label on yourself to make you feel more spiritual than you are. Christianity all by itself is supernatural to the core. There ought to be a heavenly supernatural fragrance about your life and you don't have to put some label on it like I'm apostolic or I'm prophetic. And they've turned these things in some camps almost into a personality test. Well, I'm 30% apostolic and I'm about 20% evangelistic. I got a little bit of pastoral in me and I work down here at 7-Eleven. You're off. You are flaky. And I'm, if I can hurt your feelings but help you, I will hurt your feelings. There are camps out there that I don't want to speak against them. There's a lot of good things going on, but they're too loose. They're too loose and liberal with confusing ministry offices with gifts of the Spirit. Just because you prophesy don't make you a prophet. How many of you have money? Come on, raise your hand if you got any money. You got two cents, that means you got some money, right? Well, would that make, well or does a rich man have money? But when we say a rich man's got money, well, everybody's got money, but that doesn't make him rich. And everybody can prophesy in the body of Christ, but that doesn't make him a prophet. I'm sorry if I'm throwing water on your gas tank, but I don't want, I want your fire to burn hot for God. I want your fire to burn hot for the supernatural. I want you to covet to prophesy. I want you to covet the gifts of the Spirit, but I want you to keep it in its vein so that what, ha- what happens and manifests among us is God and biblical and balanced and that we get the prophet and not the error. You know, moves of God are killed and aborted because of wrong doctrine and error. Now, I'd rather have excess than nothing. I'd rather have excess than nothing. But I believe we can have the full move of God and keep it in the, keep it in the banks of the river. You know, the Ohio in its banks is a great blessing. Out of its banks, it's destructive. You keep prophecy in its banks, it'll be a blessing. You pull it out of its boundary and it'll be destructive. And I promise you, in this church, I'll correct you. You know, I have people come in, new people, thank God for them, and, and they come in from different camps, and when I hear that they're from a certain flavor, I, I, pu- I mentally put them in a box. I'm sweet to them, but I'm watching them. And most of the time, nothing ever has to be said. When they realize that I'm in charge around here, and that I'm not going to let things flake out, they leave. Because they don't want a place where there's order. You say Sunday night didn't look like there's a lot of order. Oh yeah, there's a lot of order. There's a lot of order. Holy Ghost order. Amen. But no matter what, I'm you know around here God's put me in charge. Does that make sense? A rich man's got money like everybody else, but a rich man's got, you know, you'd have to have more than just two cents to be a rich man, to be a rich woman. 
Well, just because you prophesy didn't make you a prophet. You know, to constitute really the office of the prophet, first of all, first and foremost, a prophet's got somewhere to preach. A prophet is first and foremost a preacher and a teacher of the Word. Like all the other, all the other ministry gifts, what are they? First and foremost, they, they're preachers and teachers. Listen, if your so-called prophet doesn't have a place to preach, they're not a prophet. What does that mean? There are no prophets among the laity. It doesn't mean we're bad. It doesn't mean we're not spiritual. It doesn't mean we're not supernatural. It doesn't mean we don't flow in the gifts of the Spirit. It just means you're not a prophet. Stop calling yourself that. My slogan is, there are no prophets working at Walmart. None. Now, people might be called. People might have something in them, but they're not operating in that yet. If they're faithful and they're trained, and they're, you know God could promote them and they could be. Right? But then more than just being a preacher and a teacher, a prophet has got to have at least two out of the three revelation gifts operating regularly in their ministry plus prophecy, plus they have to be a bona fide preacher and teacher of the Word. Amen. And if you don't have all those in place, just listen, sweetie. Trust me, you're just not that. Amen. Again, does that not mean that you're not supernatural? No. Doesn't mean any of, the, any of that. It just means you're not a prophet. It's where a lot of people got confused. Amen? Amen. Go to Acts chapter 21. I'm looking at the time. Acts chapter 21. Let me show you something. Glory, glory. Quickly, let me give you some guidelines for safe use of the gift of prophecy. Could I give you that? In the New Testament, prophecy is never to guide you. Ever, 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 ever. Did y'all hear what pastor said? God is never going to guide you through the simple gift of prophecy. Why? There's no guidance in it. It's edifying, encouraging, and comforting, and that's all. I'm not led by prophecy. I tried to be once, and it almost devastated my ministry. This, you can get quiet because I want you to hear me. This is so serious. There are manipulators out there. People who act spiritual, but they're wolves in sheep's clothing. And they would love to use a so-called prophetic gift to manipulate your life and to control your life. And you have one Lord, and I'm not Him. You have one Lord, and I'm not Him. I'm an important person if you're called here in your life as your pastor, but I'm not the Lord. Right? I'm nobody's oracle. I don't want to be. I'm not going to be. Amen? I have a role. I have an anointing, and I'll use it to the fullest extent I can. Amen? But I am, like you should be, I am led by the Holy Ghost. See, this is different. Under the Old Covenant, the people, they didn't have the Holy Ghost. They didn't have the Holy Ghost. You have the Holy Ghost. I'm led by the Word and by the Holy Spirit in me. Now, I have had true prophets come along and say things that, woo, I didn't see that coming. And later on, it came to pass. But I never let that kind of thing lead me. It never governs my, it never governs my, uh, my actions. I might put, God might speak to me about it. I might put my faith on it. It might come to pass. But you know, there's such goofy stuff going on. Some people, because so-and-so prophesied, they move from one city to the next. 
and disaster. Disaster. People prophesying people who are not called into the ministry and they try to go in the ministry and are just devastated. Never, you're never, ever, ever to be led by prophecy, ever. Amen. Let me show you this. Praise God. Y'all all right? Glory. I like these things. Anyway, here's a, life, a day in the life of Paul. Paul's traveling from city to city. Acts chapter 21, verse 8. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea. And we entered into the house of Philip. Now notice, Philip the... Event. Now see, he has an office of ministry. We already know about Philip from Acts chapter 8. He's a preacher and a teacher of the Word. He, pre he preaches the gospel and he has gifts of healings that flow through his ministry. Anyway, there's a lot to learn. I hope you come back. But anyway, uh, which was one of the seven and abode with him. And the same man, Philip, had four daughters. Daughter. Everyone say daughters. Y'all daughter. know daughters are female? Okay, they're females because a lot of people are religious, machuistic people and they, they need to get their head on straight. Philip had four girls. They were not married. They were virgins. What'd they do? They prophesied. They prophesied. In other words, God would come on those girls and edifying words would come out. Exhortive words would come out. Comforting words would come out of them. Amen? I hope you're going to learn something cool here in just a minute. Let's keep reading. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain... Now, oh, now we're dealing with a ministry gift here, not just a spiritual gift. A certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle, his belt, bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost. Notice that's not recorded as saying among the daughters. Among the girls that prophesied. But Agabus, a prophet, says, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall. Everyone say shall. shall. Oh, now he's going to deal with the future. Right? So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owns this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now, do you see here? Here's a weightier, meatier. This is a... This is, Prophecy in a general sense on a higher order. It's got revelation in it. Notice it's coming out of someone who's in that prophet's office. Notice in that there's prediction. There's revelation about the future. There's no record that we have that these four girls that prophesied, even prophesied to Paul. Well, they must have though. They must have prophesied in His presence, otherwise how would He know they prophesied? Right? But here, this is on a higher order. Can you see that? But even on this higher order, I want you to see Paul's response in terms of how he let it govern his decision making. Paul did not receive this as direction. Brother, if I were to come to you in the parking lot and say, Thus saith the Lord, in three days from now on this corner you'll be arrested and taken to prison and beaten for something you did not do. Amen. Would you take that honestly as, I better not go to that street corner? You wouldn't? Oh, you've been listening to me really good then. Because I would probably go, in my natural, I would probably just initially respond as, He's telling me don't go there. 
right? He's telling me don't, don't, don't go to the street corner. Don't get beaten. Paul, here, what does he hear? The prophet comes and takes his belt, ties up his own hands and feet, and says, this is going to happen to the one who owns this belt when you go to Jerusalem. You're going to be delivered into the hands of the Gentiles by the Jews. I don't know. Paul's more spiritual than me, but I might have just said, thank you, God. I ain't going there. (laughs) And that's how the vast majority of people interpreted around Paul what they heard. But Paul is smarter than most people. Notice it says in verse 12, And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. And you would understand why, right? Don't go up there. Verse 13, Then Paul answered, What meaneth ye, or what mean ye to weep and to break my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound only, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord. Paul followed his heart not the prophet's word. Did that mean the prophet missed it? No, Agabus did not miss it. If you read Acts, it came to pass exactly like the prophet said. But here again, what did God not say in that word? Don't go. You cannot find that in there. It's important that you... (laughs) Don't put your own spin and interpretation on something God says to you prophetically. Paul did not change his direction because he got a word. That word didn't say don't go. God was just telling him and reinforcing to him, here's what's going to happen when you go, if you go. But Paul had already settled in his heart. I know it, he's talked to me about it, but it's the will of God for me to go, and I'm going. And it was vitally important to the plan of God that he press forward and and go, because it is the only way that God was going to get him in front of kings to bear witness of the gospel. He prophesied to Agrippa. He prophesied to Festus. He, He ended up in front of Nero. That was part of the fun when God called him in Damascus. Amen. They said, I'm calling you to stand to bear witness of my gospel before kings. Well, that's how how are you going to get audience with a king in chains? I hear, do you get this? I'm going to close. God, Paul did not, he wasn't guided by the prophet's prophecy. He'd already had. God dealing with him in his heart. Let's read on for just a minute. I am ready to die also in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord. And when he would not be persuaded, see, they tried. We see saying, the will of the Lord be done. And uh, I don't know. I should have had this. I thought I had it here. Well, in another place it says, you know, he knew what was going to happen to him. And it said in every city, Acts says in every city, the Holy Ghost is testifying that chains and imprisonment await me. So everywhere Paul was going in that season, he'd come into a city and somebody would pick it up in the Spirit and speak it to him. You know, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be bound. 
You know when you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be arrested. In every city, Acts says, the Holy Ghost was testifying. Notice he just said testifying. Not directing, not leading, not guiding, but just letting him know. And why do you think God would be so on it prophetically about that? Because he's about to face some difficulty. And you know, sometimes God will prophesy to you and give you a word because you're about to enter into some troubled waters. You're about to enter into a difficult season and God has given you some extra supernatural something, something so that in the midst of it, you've got a lot to hang on to so that you don't grow faint or weary. Paul knew full well, city after city, the Holy Ghost bore witness, this is what's going to happen to you. But God had directed him personally, it's my will that you go. And he was so wise and so, uh, so skillful in his place of ministry with God, he knew what to do with what prophets were saying. He wasn't letting it be his compass or guidance. But notice also, when all the people started chiming in, He didn't let them persuade Him either. You see, you shouldn't let a prophet talk you into something. And you shouldn't let people around you. Paul had people who loved him around him saying, don't go, please don't go. See, the prophet just told you, don't go, don't go, don't go. I'm telling you, don't go, please don't go. And yet Paul had enough rooted security in him because he had heard God for himself. that he stayed on course. And the place of the prophet's words were to confirm, supernaturally confirm, that he's on track, you're moving forward, you're in my will, stay the course. See, that is what prophecy ought to be primarily in your life. A confirming voice of what you already have in your heart. Now, if somebody prophesies something to you and you don't have it in your heart, I'm not saying throw it away, but I have, I've heard this term, put it on the shelf. And that's what I would do. I mean, if some, some prophecy comes out of left field and it doesn't confirm, you had no, what, where did that come from? Just put that up on the shelf. But my God, brother, don't act on it. Don't go sell your house and quit your job. Because Sister Blabbermouth prophesied something. Or Brother Doodad prophesied something. I mean, I'll keep you safe. You do anything, you take that before God and say, all right, God, I'm, I'm willing at least to let you talk to me about that. But you know, in closing, I'll warn you. I had one instance. Because of my regard for who said it, I let it in. And the moment I let it in, it derailed me for three years. Now, he was able to keep me in action on course, but in my heart, I'm telling you, I went through three and a half years of hell and confusion because I let it in. Meaning I let what was said have influence with me. When had I, had I just kicked it out, and I had everything I needed from God in that moment to just kick it out. When those words were spoken over me, it felt like I was about to... Peace didn't come on me. Nausea came on me. 
I mean, it was like someone just came and punched me in the gut and bowled me over. And I'm about to, you know, I don't want to ruin your lunch. But I mean, uh, confusion, torment, all kinds. But, and I let it in. And I, opened, and I shared it with my wife and she let it in. And we entertained it. Because we had regard for who said it. See, the devil is mean. And he will use your honor. He will use your sincerity. He will use your innocence. He will use your regard for a mentor, for a spiritual father, for a pastor. Where you'd open yourself up to something, right? If something's said to you, amen. I don't care if it's me that says it. If something is said to you and peace doesn't come with it, joy doesn't come with it, right? I mean, a, a wonderful sense comes with that. Reject it out of hand. Don't even crack the door open. Yeah. Even if I were to be used in a corrective way, right? Some people will. Prophets will be used. Different people will be used. But it won't, that wouldn't be the simple gift of prophecy. You learn that now, right? It'd be something stronger. And God will confront. And He will bring correction. But with that, with that, when it's God, there's love. There's peace. The atmosphere of God comes with everything He's behind. Even if He's being, even if He's spanking you, you're going to sense love's there. Joy's there. Peace is there. Your way out is highlighted. Amen? And it was the, when these words came, it was the, you could testify to that, right? You don't want to, but anyway. It was the opposite. I'd, I'm telling you. It would have been very easy. None of this would, I'm telling you, this is how serious it is. None of this would be here, this building. Had I done what that man said, it wasn't in my heart. It's what he wanted. And he put, God said, on what he wanted. But because of his place, I, I took that. I, I, I entertained it. And it took Dr. Dufresne, a real prophet, and three and a half years to get that defilement out of me. The Bible says God is not the author of confusion. But of what? Peace. When God's behind something, I don't care what's coming out, there's peace with it. Somebody catches you in the parking lot and there's no peace with it. Just say, brother, just, 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 I'm good. You know, you have a right in the New Testament to say, I'm good. I've done that before. Can I lay hands on you? No, I'm good. Thanks. I've, I've done it. Hey, I, I'd like to lay hands on you. I'd rather you didn't. The Bible says, lay, don't lay hands on anyone suddenly. Right? Because things are transferred through the laying on of hands. You can stand up this morning if you like. Praise God. Lots to learn. That's why we're doing it. Hallelujah. Lots to learn. Dr. Jacobs talked about a guest ministry. He wasn't very familiar with him. Invited him to his church. The guy preached a good sermon. But in the aftermath of that, over the next two weeks, three of his key ladies came to him in private setting and said, I'm covered up with filth and porn and, and thoughts of cheating on my husband. I'm just covered up with it. 
And it's been that way since this minister you had touched me in the hallway, just on the shoulder. Three separate different instances of key holy women. The guy didn't preach anything wrong, but he had something on him. And he just said, thanks for coming. Right? Thanks for coming. And something got on those ladies. It was on him. He had to cast the devil off of them. And they were made right. Pastor, you trying to warn me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's my job to keep the sheep safe. That's my number one job. My number one job is to make sure you don't die spiritually. Right? Praise God. Let's live.